0: The Oklahoma Sooners got a transfer portal haul. Who was their best transfer addition? There might be several best transfer additions. We'll talk about that on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners.
1: You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, are you getting as much rain out there in uh, central Oklahoma as we're getting here
1: out east? We are, man. We we are, and it's right at that close temperature. It was almost, it was almost snow at one point uh, earlier tonight. It's it's not, but uh, it's fluctuated between just rain, nonstop rain these past couple of days, and almost like a like the as closest as you can get to snow.
0: Well, that'll be good for the OU rowing team whenever they get started, because uh, the Oklahoma River should be you know pretty pretty well um, uh, filled by that time. So, uh, transfer portal stuff. Uh, it's now the time I guess to evaluate transfer portal because USA today and ESPN and college sports wire are now going through and kind of ranking and evaluating who had the best transfer portal classes and your Oklahoma Sooners are showing up on several of these lists. Uh, you got Pete Meyerberg over at, sorry, Paul Meyerberg over at, uh, USA today sports, uh, talking about how Oklahoma had one of the best transfer portal classes in the country. And, and I think it's, I think it's safe to say that. Yeah, they did. Uh, ESPN also ranked them amongst the best transfer portal classes in the country. And you could look on both sides of the football and they found impact day one starters on both sides of the ball, Josh.
1: So let's see here. Our man, Mr. Deshaun McCullough rent as the seventh best transfer from our friend, Patrick Kahn over at college sports wire is, is that about where you think McCullough should be nationally? I mean, I think, I I think there's a chance, John, that, you know, could wind up higher than that, but I don't have a big beep. I don't think with him being seventh.
0: No, I think after a true freshman season to be ranked in the top 10 of anything is pretty good. I think a lot of places had him as the number one edge, I believe two, four, seven sports had him as the number one edge transfer and when you're the number one edge transfer, that's pretty good. And we know that this is going to be a guy that definitely figures into Brent Venable's defense. Is going to have a major, major role, whether it's at Cheetah, whether it's as a you know full-time defensive end, it remains to be seen. But his athleticism is undeniable. His ability to rush the passer is going to be a huge asset for a pass rush that struggled at times uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners. It, it was not consistent or as consistent as it needed to be. Uh, in big 12 play in particular. So this is a guy that's going to be able to bring a little bit more juice, a little bit more athleticism off the edge. And if he's your cheetah, then, I mean, you got a guy that's got safety experience from high school. He's got the athleticism, got the length, got the range, the ability to move. He's got speed. He can play in space. Uh, and then you can bring him off the edge. Cause they did that a lot with the white last year, who was the primary cheetah for the Sooners. And I, I really like what they're going to be able to do with him as a pass rusher. Um, even if it's not as a full-time pass rusher.
1: So ESPN's top transfer classes, they just did John sort of their evaluation of the transfer classes, Oklahoma's number four nationally per ESPN. Yeah. and, And I,
0: I feel like that fits because you added Walter Rouse, a really talented left tackle. You added Caleb Schaefer, a really talented guard. With a lot of experience, both those guys. Andrew Anthony, a wide receiver, has some promise. Austin Stogner, we know what he can bring to the table as well. And then the D, and and it's really, I think, the defensive side of the ball that really moves the needle for the Sooners on this one. We talked about McCullough. We've talked at length about Rondell Bothroyd, just the, the production. I mean, 13 sacks, 24 and a half tackles for loss over the last two seasons. This is a guy, and I've mentioned it before, that should be going to the play in the NFL would be a top you know, 100 and 150 pick in, in the league, but decided he wanted to come back and get a little bit more production to, to take uh, to the league, maybe get some you know higher quality tape uh, to put in front of scouts, but just highly productive player that's going to be able to play on the inside, play on the outside, a good addition for the Sooners. He a Trace Ford, a really, I think we talked about it on last night's show, I felt like he could potentially be one of the more underrated transfer additions for the Oklahoma Sooners up front. Man, we've talked at length about Jacob Lacey and Davin Sears, Reggie Pearson. Like the defensive additions for the Sooners, I think are going to be what really helps this team take a take a step forward from the six and seven season back into Big Twelve title contention. It's all those pieces that they added on the defensive side of the football.
1: You know, I know we've mentioned this before, John, but uh, one thing that if everything goes well for Oklahoma this next season and if we see a PJ at a and we see a Peyton Bowen or dare I say even a Caden green that's some sort of a factor in terms of the the two deep and you know maybe one or two of these wide receivers a, a petaway a brown if that happens in conjunction with man this transfer portal class being impactful which I just think again these Everywhere you look, right, people see the – nationally, people see the haul that Oklahoma had in the transfer portal. Like you said, USA Today Sports, really nice things to say. ESPN ranks it number four. Our buddy Patrick Kahn at the College Sports Wire has got Deshaun McCullough as one of his Baker's Dozen top transfer portal ads nationally for any program right so everywhere you look the transfer portal hall for Oklahoma is being well received nationally this is not just you and I on locked on Sooners blowing smoke based on what Oklahoma has done out of the transfer portal this is nationally people think that a Walter Rouse is going to step right in to be a starting tackle for Oklahoma that whether it's Sears, Bothroyd, Ford or a combination or Lacey or a combination of those guys they're going to have difference makers that they went and found up front in the transfer portal. So if, if that comes to fruition, I think the one thing we're really going to come back to, John, isn't just strictly the transfer portal. Again, we talked about it, but I think it's going to be that Bill Connolly piece where he said, combined the signing class and the transfer portal together, that it's the number two. What, what was the phrasing that he used, John? Immediate impact additions nationally. And look, you know, going forward now with where college football is at, you're you're gonna have to do this. You know, maybe you don't always overhaul the way Oklahoma has overhauled out of the transfer portal, John, but everywhere I look, whether it's the ESPN list, that USA Today sports list, it's In large part, a who's who of college football. You'll see Florida State on that list. You're going to see an Oregon. You're going to see a Michigan on that list. You're going to see an Oklahoma on that list. Powerful programs in college football that have retooled, reloaded via the transfer portal. So the programs that are going to year in and year out be winning Big John it's just where we're at right now. If you can be again on that Bill Connolly list where you're number two in terms of immediate impact guys that combined you've gotten out of your signing class and the transfer portal class. I, I think those are the programs that we're going to be talking about that again are going to be playing for and winning conference championships and making college football playoff appearances.
0: And I think you mentioned it, right? This might not always be the strategy for the Sooners as they continue to develop their recruiting classes but for now given what they had defensively in particular and then all of the losses offensively all the losses to the NFL draft they had to do some things significantly in the portal to to bolster their roster both on on both sides of the football and we've seen them do that each of the last two years in the transfer portal and and I think they'll they'll continue to be aggressive in spots but say 3 4 years down the road they're continually having these top five, top eight recruiting classes. I think maybe they'll be less inclined to bring in as many guys as they did. Or I could be wrong, and Brent Venable just wants to add as much talent as possible, create as much competition as possible, regardless of how good they've done on the recruiting trail. And, you know, if we're talking 2026 and Oklahoma's had several more top five, you know, recruiting classes, but they're still bringing in. You know these really high quality transfer additions I, I feel like that's the best way to go about building the roster is you do both you don't just you know target the high school kids you don't just target the transfer portal you do both and and i think we'll see maybe some of it slow down after kind of the COVID eligibility runs out for people but ultimately brent venables his and his staff they're going to use all means necessary to try and bolster this roster but we're going to talk more about a guy that's had an immediate impact coming up after the break.
1: Yes, there's somebody that absolutely has had an immediate impact for Oklahoma. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. Are you all ready to watch the big game? FanDuel.com backslash locked on, where you can make every moment more at FanDuel Sportsbook. They've got their easy-to-use, secure, safe app that you can check out. Just search FanDuel on uh, either your Apple or your Android, whatever mobile device that you have out there, search FanDuel and uh, you can download the sportsbook that, again, is safe and secure, which obviously uh, y- you need that. But new customers, hey, how about a great offer? I've got one for you. Place your first $5 bet. And you get $150 in free bets guaranteed, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. So football fans, you don't want to miss out for the Super Bowl. Last chance, right, to, uh, to place that $5 bet and get $150 for free, at least during football season, over at FanDuel.com backslash locked on, where you can make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. An instant impact individual for the Oklahoma Sooners, you say, John? Now, who might that be?
0: So over at On3, they did a little bit of a 2023 recruiting rewind and took a look at the the assistant coaches who found new homes in 2022 and were big parts of the 2023 cycle and kind of wrote about who were the, the instant impact guys. And Jeff Levy was mentioned as one of those players that was an instant or sorry, players coaches as one of the instant impact guys by Keegan Pope over at on three. And ultimately what it comes down to is his ability to land Jackson Arnold and that recruitment, that commitment, the first commitment of the Brent Venables era in the 2023 cycle was huge. And Brent Venables talked about it, you know, in their national, the early signing period, Um, press conference where he talked about how it was so key and critical for them that Jackson never wavered once from his commitment. That while the rumors were persisting amidst a a bad season for Oklahoma, that he was 100% committed, nothing had ever changed for him. And we talked about it on the show that how that really freed them up to focus their attention elsewhere, they could focus more on some of those late guys that they were really starting to unearth and in, in the Taylor Waynes and the uh, Marcus Strongs and the Ashton Sanders and Taylor Hine, those, you know, those under recruited, under evaluated players that they really, really like. And on a guy like Peyton Bowen to really finish the job and, and head into the early signing period with a really strong push, landing Jackson Arnold, not only did it, get them a help, get them a really, really good signing class. But I mean, you got arguably one of the best players in the 2023 cycle and you got him back in January when you've been on the job for a month and a half, basically, and he becomes kind of the, the cornerstone of your recruiting class, the relationship that Jeff Levy had built with Jackson Arnold from Ole Miss, it carried over and and he targeted his guy and he got him into Norman and and I mean, Jackson Arnold had a fantastic career or a fantastic 2022 because all he had to focus on was football because he knew where he was going to go. Like he he didn't have to worry about, you know, taking a bunch of other trips and, you know, pursuing some other opportunities, other offers, because he could have gone pretty much anywhere in the country. And yet he all, he all he had to do was focus on football. And he had a tremendous 2022 with the elite 11 MVP, helping his team reach the state semifinals of the Texas 6A state championship tournament and winning Gatorade National Player of the Year. So, an absolutely big time recruitment by Jeff Levy to land Gabriel with or land Gabriel, land Arnold, which led to what might have been a domino effect of commitments uh, for Oklahoma.
1: Well, and I, I know it was a slip of the tongue, but to land Gabriel too, to land Gabriel too. Let's see how this 2023 season plays out for Oklahoma. I'm still optimistic that by the time it's all said and done, Oklahoma fans are going to be, if you're negative right now, I think you're going to be singing the praises of Dylan Gabriel before it's all said and done. You'll be excited for Jackson Arnold, and he's going to be a superstar in Norman, but I expect 2023 to go much, much better across the board for Oklahoma, and I think, you know, obviously your quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is going to be a big catalyst in that. So, and obviously, Levy was instrumental. In landing, Gabriel. So, you know, and you, you have to give a, a ton of credit to Coach Bedenbo on these offensive line gets that Oklahoma's gotten. You know, I just across the board, Caden Green. Uh, I, I'm excited for Josh Bates, friend of the show. I uh, can't wait to see. What uh, Logan Howland, I think, has a ton of upside. Heath o- Ozida as well. I think, you know, all of those guys have chances to be really, really good. And, yes, those are Bill Biedenboe gets. And I'll go into the, the transfer portal cycle as well and throw a Walter Rouse and a Caleb for your direction. But, ultimately, the OC gets credit too, right? So, not just Bill Biedenboe, but what Oklahoma has done across the board recruiting. And, of course, the, the big fish. The, the, the big chip in the center of the table, of course, is Jackson Arnold, who, oh, by the way, the addition of Jackson Arnold, what does that allow Oklahoma to go and do? Well, to go get some really talented skill guys, the running backs that they got in this class, John. The wide receivers, I'm fired up about both Petaway and Brown. So there, there's no doubt that Jeff Lebby has done a very, very good job already at attracting talent to Norman, Oklahoma. And now it's about taking an offense that was pretty good, pretty good a season ago, John, and some final tweaks to make third down and fourth down efficiency better and red zone efficiency better. And all of a sudden we're talking about an elite offense in Oklahoma and people are going to be very, very excited with the job that Jeff Levy has done, even though there were some frustrations admittedly in year one.
0: I think another element to this that, might be a little bit overlooked was just his his willingness to keep the offensive staff intact to keep DeMarco Murray to keep Bill Biedenboe to keep Cale Gundy at the time and LD Washington who was you know an assistant wide receivers coach uh to keep all those guys Joe John Finley like how crucial that was that as Brent Venables was coming in and bringing in all of new defensive guys that you had a guy in Levy who felt really comfortable with all those guys on the offensive side of the ball and was willing to keep them all. I mean, it's, it's kind of a rare thing that you don't see any turnover at your position coaches when you bring in a new offensive coordinator, but that's a little bit of the beauty of Levy's relationship with the university of Oklahoma and his, and his experience because he has relationships with those guys, you know, from just his coaching years, you know, being around the big 12, things like that. Like he's got relationships and, those are guys that wanted to be at Oklahoma. They wanted to stay too. So having that continuity allowed them to continue what they were doing with a guy like Dalen Smothers or Caleb Hicks or what Bill Bedenboe was doing along the offensive line or keeping, you know, um, Joe John Finley in in tow to make sure you landed guys like, you know, Jason Llewellyn and Caden Helms in the 2022 cycle and, you know, pushing forward on Cade McIntyre in the 2023 cycle. So like continuity, is one of the more underrated aspects of any organization and to have continuity on the, at least the assistant level on the offensive side of the football. I think that played a huge role in helping them land their 2022 class and then build this 2023 class because those kids that they were targeting weren't having to, you know, now reassess Oklahoma because their position coaches that they were wanting, you know, potentially wanted to play for the position coaches they had relationships with, we're going to stay in Norman. And so they didn't have to start thinking, okay, well now, how do I feel about this position coach now that, that he's gone. And then there's a new running back, running backs coach. Am I still as, you know, enamored with Oklahoma that DeMarco Murray's not there? Well, I don't have to worry about that because DeMarco Murray's still there. And and I think that that's a really and we might be, we might look back on that one day and and think how critical and how how much of a great decision that was for Jeff Levy to keep all those guys intact and keep that continuity.
1: And you know Brent Venables too, right? So give give each of those two, give the head coach credit, give the uh, offensive coordinator credit in that regard. It's it's been interesting, and I will of course confess that uh, look, it's not that. I've just given a standing ovation and a round of applause to everything with Jeff Levy so far uh, at Oklahoma, namely, you know, without going down Diagon Alley here, the, uh, the Texas game was of course not great last season for Oklahoma, not to expound a ton on that, but this, uh, this off season being linked to the Alabama job, John, and, Choosing to stay. It'll be curious to see for me. And and I doubt we're going to get much on it. I don't think Jeff Levy will be too forthcoming or answer a lot of questions about, you know, speculative job hunts that uh, he was or was not linked to. But if he's great this year, and if Oklahoma's great offensively this year, you know, the uh, fan stock in Jeff Levy, I don't know that it was bottom of the barrel in 2022, but there were certainly some frustrated sooner fans with Jeff Levy and the offense, even though largely John, they were pretty good. Right. So with all of that being said, if Oklahoma's, you know, much better in key spots in 2023, and then boom, you fast forward one year and then two years beyond that, assuming that Jeff Levy's still here and Jackson Arnold is great. All of a sudden, I think Jeff Levy goes from at times kind of being, not well-received by Sooner fans, too. He decides to stay. The job's not finished. He wants to see Oklahoma vastly improve from 6-7. and seven And, oh, by the way, gets it accomplished. I think all of a sudden he leaves Norman potentially down the road as uh, a very, very well-regarded and well-liked offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that all turns out. I mean, he, he had a, a solid year. 35 points per game. I mean, a good year. We'll say a good year. 35 points per game, even if there were some issues uh, with some efficiency in some key areas. I mean, that's something that they can improve upon. Uh, and The talent's going to only get better as they continue to recruit better. Um, but turn to the page from Oklahoma football. Oklahoma softball is a bet about to have first pitch in the Mark Campbell Invitational out there in California, where they're going to play three top 25 teams um, in the, the little invitational tournament. They got they open with number sixteen Duke at six p.m. Central Time. You can watch these on Flow Softball, um, and then they'll play Liberty. Then they got on Saturday or on Friday they get number seventeen Stanford. On Saturday, number fourteen Washington, and then they'll close it out on Sunday with San Jose State. I mean, it, that's a pretty nice little uh, you know four or five game stretch, five game stretch where you get to really test yourself to to come out of the gate.
1: What are you most looking forward to right out of the shoot? With Oklahoma, what what do you most want to see? Because to me the the staff is interesting, right? How is it really going to break down? And you know, this first month, Jordy Ball, your ace, but then beyond that, what does what does number two? What does number three look like? How involved early is Kirsten Deal? We know that obviously she's she's going to be a factor, but how much I think is is interesting, but. Probably if you ask me that question, John, I would answer, well, I'll let, I'll let you answer first and then, and then, uh, I've got my response, but what are you most interested in to find out about this team early,
0: man? That's such a great question. I really, I really am looking forward to seeing how the transfer portal additions kind of meld with the guy, the offense that was there. You know, looking at the lineup, you're talking about Alina Torres and Cindy Sanders and Haley Lee. Like how those three integrate into the lineup is going to be really intriguing to me, uh, especially at catcher, because we know Kinsey Hansen is going to be your starting catcher. But Haley Lee, I mean, she was an all American catcher at Texas AM. So she, you're going to give her opportunities to play there and spell Kinsey Hanson. Well, then you're also bringing in Jocelyn Erickson, who was, you know, one of the best players in college or in high school softball, the Arizona uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in softball in the 2020 two season, she also plays catcher, So you have another option there. So like there, how Patty Gasso kind of works everybody into the lineup and gives everybody opportunities, but also figures out a way to, you know, manage the load, uh, do load management for softball is going to be intriguing. And you you mentioned the, 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 the pitching staff, I think we'll see, you know, Nicole may Kirsten deal get starts, uh, especially in the non-conference slate uh, Kirsten deal, especially like, I would not be surprised to see her start the game against San Jose state on Sunday or to see her start, you know, the game against Liberty, you know, one of these unranked teams, throw her out there, give her an opportunity and see what happens. You know what you got in Jordy ball, you know what you got in Alex Tarocco, and you know what you got in Nicole May. And so like early in the season, this is kind of the time to find out, like can, is Kirsten deal the real deal? Uh, I mean, early nickname opportunity right there. That's a, that's an easy NIL shirt right there. Um, Is she the real deal and can she hang? But that's when you want to find out. And, you know, they were not shy about throwing Jordy Ball out there early in the season in some really tough matchups like against UCLA. And she held her own. She hung. So uh, it would not surprise me to see Patty Gasso do the same to Kirsten Deal and just give her an opportunity, you know, against uh, uh, one of the top teams. But I think given the depth of the rotation, the rotation, you don't talk about rotations in softball, but they've got a rotation given the depth that they have you know in the circle you don't have to rush her out there you can kind of let her get her feet wet against some quote unquote lower competition and and just see how things go and then if she's showing that she can handle it you then you raise the stakes a little bit you give her a tougher test um, but man it's it's going to be fascinating to see how she manages that because generally in softball like you have an ace and they they carry the load for your team And then you've got another one or two pitchers that might throw 80 innings, hundred innings, maybe, but the way Oklahoma is stacked right now, like you could have four pitchers throw 120 innings or a hundred innings each and really balance the workload a little bit. And we know Oklahoma is going to run rule a lot of people. So there's not going to be, you know, seven innings in every, in every start, but so that's going to be really fascinating. I think this is going to be the, I don't want to say like the trickiest managing job that patty Gasso's had but it will definitely be one of the more um intriguing ones to follow because she's got so much talent to work with how does she get everybody at bats how does she everybody get everybody pitched? you know innings pitched
1: i think for me early on i'm most intrigued just to see what one through nine looks like how much shuffling is there where's tra jennings at in the order is she batting second Is she getting a little bit of a bat or two in front? I think we feel, you know, obviously Jada Coleman will, I I think would lead off, but I mean, there's just so many options with the the batting order. How much shuffling is there? Is, you know, these first five games at this Mark Campbell Invitational, are are we going to see, you know, 13, 14 faces in the lineup? Or is it pretty set? For right now in, you know, a couple of folks maybe can work their way in. So that's what I'm curious to see early. I'm obviously very intrigued in the circle as well, but forced to pick. I would say I'm curious to see what that lineup, the batting order looks like early on. That's, that's what I'm most intrigued about these first couple of games.
0: All right. So last year they lost their first game, 37 games into the season against Texas Will they go 38 games without getting a loss this year, or will it that first loss occur a little bit sooner in the season, Josh?
1: Okay, uh, I'm staking staking my claim here, planting the flag and in uh, signing my signature on it. John, i I've been sort of hinting at this probably not not so sneakily. But after the last two seasons where Oklahoma started, I don't know how long it was, two years ago, but it was a long time before they lost that game versus Georgia. And remember, they led that game versus Georgia and kind of coughed it up late. So it was it's not unthinkable they could have had a longer unbeaten streak to start that season two years ago. I think Oklahoma's going longer than 37 games, and I think it's going to turn into a national story can Oklahoma go undefeated? And I know that that's an uncomfortable conversation for some people to have because, again, it's ridiculous. You're not going to go unbeaten, right? Stop it, media guy. Don't talk about that. Probably they're not going unbeaten, but I think just because of how good they are, John, they're going to position themselves to where naturally we're going to wind up having that conversation.
0: Yeah, so let me also clarify. They, they went 37. They started 37-0. and 0 lost their 38th game. So, I mean, I feel like they're going to have a really good chance to do that as well. Like that, with the lineup as deep as it is, and now you have so much experience. Like, you, you know, Jada Coleman, Terry Jennings, they're juniors now. Like they've played a lot of softball. They know what to expect. So yes, Jocelyn Allo, a huge loss for your team. But you bring in player like Sidney Sanders, who was just a freshman last year, hit more than 20 home runs, hit more than 400. Grace Lyons is back after a career year. Kenzie Hansen's healthy after hitting 20 home runs and, and batting over 400 in 2021. You bring in, you know, San, uh, Elena Torres. You bring in Haley Lee. You add them to Alyssa Brito, and you got another, you know, three more players that can hit 14 or more home runs. Uh, it's just a deep lineup, top to bottom. And, and man, it it's crazy to think that they could go undefeated. It's crazy. It does seem wild to talk about. It's a long, long season, and a lot has to go right for you. But it's really hard to not look at this lineup and think it might be their best ever. And that's that's the crazy thing, and that's why it's it's easy to let you kind of go to that place where you think, okay, game thirty-eight, game could they could they start forty? 0 could they break their record for wins? You know, consecutive wins? Could they break their record? for wins to start a season it's all on the table everything is on the table runs scored home runs in a season run rules in a season wins and all of it there's nothing doubt them at your own peril because it doesn't seem like there's anything that they can't do and that's going to do it for today oh josh go ahead
1: well no that that that's a good good stopping point but i would just say now please don't go lose one of these games in the mark campbell since there's been all of this out there
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, they're going to have challenges. No doubt. They have challenges every year. Uh, The big 12 is no slouch for sure. Oklahoma state, Texas. Those are really good softball programs. They'll play UCLA along the way too. So there's a lot of really good teams on their, on their docket, but Oklahoma is the best team in the country. They're the number one team in the country for a reason. It's because they've been the number one team in the country for like three years and nothing doesn't seem like they're going to slow down now. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in, being part of the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms and over on YouTube. Go over to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Drop a comment, drop a like. Also give us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to us ad-free on Amazon Prime. So go check that out as well. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. Boomer sooner.